Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part three of our current sermon on Jesus and tenacious faith. That's the kind of faith we see from this woman that the Bible calls the Syrophoenician woman. If you've missed part one or two, go back in the archives and see where we've been. Well, today we come to the end, to the conclusion of this sermon. And also in the end of this chapter is the man that Jesus opened his deaf ears and loosened his tongue. He was deaf and mute. And we are going to see what the people of this region thought about Jesus. And we're going to see how the gospel today should impact people in this culture everywhere. Well, I'm so happy you're listening. I hope that you're following along through this entire series called Walking with Jesus, a study of the book of Mark. If you've missed any sermons or if you want to stay current, if you want to stay up to date with the most current sermons preached from the pulpit of Preaching Christ Church, then download my free mobile app. Simply search Awakened to grace, and you can pick up our app wherever you get your favorite apps, and there you will find hundreds and hundreds of resources, all free, right at your fingertips. We exist for spiritual growth for your everyday life. Let's go to God's Word today, Mark chapter 7, in the conclusion of Jesus and Tenacious Faith. But the gospel first came to the Jew. That was the purpose of Christ's coming. And what he's saying is, I have made a banquet feast for the Jew first. Now, are the Gentiles going to be part of that? Yes, that was always part of God's plan. We are grafted in. And now, according to Romans 1, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. It's all the kingdom of God. And one day, you're talking about a table, one day you and I are going to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. But the priority first was the Jew. Now, she could have been highly offended by this. But watch what her faith does. So Jesus says it's not right. It wouldn't be right. As much as I loved Sam, it wouldn't be right for my children to go hungry and yet I feed Sam. There's an order. There's a divine order. And so Jesus says it's not right to feed the dogs. Now, in our culture, that's insulting. In his culture, whoo. So what's he saying? Well, the Greek word for dog would have meant a scavenger, like, uh, you know, dogs in this day, few were domesticated, few were used as pets. Dogs were seen as highly unclean, and they would roam towns and villages in packs. They were scavengers. And that's how a Jew would view a Gentile. In Jewish culture in this day, you could be ceremonial, un, ceremonially unclean just by being around a Gentile. And they referred to Gentiles as dogs. You can look up the Greek word there. It's, it starts with a K. I'm sorry it's failing my memory. But Jesus does not use 
the normal Greek word for dog here, which would have been a scavenger. He uses a different word. Matter of fact, if you're reading a New King James Version today, you'll notice that your New King James Bible says little dog. What's, what do the translators mean by little dog? What Jesus, he, the, the Greek word he uses is that of a domesticated puppy. Bringing a little puppy into your home. Now something happened when Jesus used this analogy. This woman, <laughs> she got a glimmer of hope from what Jesus said, and she, her faith took hold of it. She knew what Jesus was saying. And instead of being entitled, instead of going with arrogance, instead of having pride in her heart, you know what this woman is saying? This woman is saying, Jesus, you are right. There is a divine order. Jesus, I'm not worthy of anything. Jesus, I don't deserve anything. And you know what she says? Oh, the faith. This woman says, yes, Lord. Oh, we got to go back to Matthew 7 or 15 for a moment. We got to go back to Matthew 15 to really understand what's happening. Say amen if you're with me right now. We're going to dig right now. Here's some gold. Three times this woman says, Yes, Lord, to Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because do you remember way back in Mark chapter 2 weeks ago? Do you remember when the man, the paralytic man was lowered down from the roof and Jesus forgives the man's sin? Do you remember what the Pharisees said in their heart? How can this man do such things? Do you remember what we said about that? The Greek term, this man, was a derogatory statement. What they were saying in their hearts, he calls himself the son of God. All he is is but flesh. He's just a man, just like everybody else. Do you remember when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus rebukes the wind and calms the waves? Do you remember what the disciples said? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Do you remember Jesus, his own family came to get him, his brothers and sisters, because they thought he was out of his head. Do you remember even the people of his own hometown last week in chapter 6? They didn't believe him. They said, why, this is the son of the carpenter. <sighs> Jesus, my foot. He grew up three doors down from me. Jesus, son of God. I taught his Sunday school class. Jesus. I knew him when he was seven years old. Son of God. Messiah. Yeah, right. Oh, but not this Syrophoenician woman. Do you know what? Oh, God put faith in her heart. And do you know what she calls him in Matthew chapter 15? She calls him Lord three different times. And she gives him, she calls him the messianic title for Jesus. She says, son of David. Friends, you know the weightiness of that? She was saying, Jesus, you are who you say you are. You are the promised one. You're the Messiah. You're the very son of God. Amen. Even the disciples haven't come to this point yet. Next chapter is Peter's great confession. 
And here Jesus encounters all these demons and every demon he encounters, what do they do? They say, thou art the Christ. And the disciples are scratching their heads saying, who is he? And this woman, oh, her faith, she says, you're you're the son of David. You're the Lord. You're the son of God. And when she was ignored, and when she was rejected, and would it would have seemed as though she was insulted, do you know what her faith does? Her faith says, yes, Lord, I'm not worthy of a thing. I get it. I understand it. Friends, I want you to know today, this woman did not have a fragile faith. She had a faith that was tenacious. And let me tell you, I don't want a fragile faith today. I want a faith that is persistent. I want a faith that is tenacious. That even in my flesh, if I feel like God is ignoring me. Even in my flesh, if I feel like God has abandoned me. Even in my flesh, if I feel like God doesn't care. I don't quit. I don't give in. I press in all the more. Amen. This was the kind of faith this woman had. And what a precious, precious gift it is. Do you know what we learned from this woman? We learned that God's delays are never God's denials. And what does your faith do when it seems as though God has delayed you? Does your faith quit? Does your faith give up? Or does your faith press in? I want to press in, amen? And look what she says to the Lord. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs, the little ones, the puppies, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children. What faith. You know what the point is? The point is Luke 18, 1. Jesus is not ignoring her to be mean to her. Jesus is not speaking to her this way to be mean to her. Do you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is giving us one of the greatest models, one of the greatest examples of faith that there is in the Bible. That here when he comes to his own hometown, they don't believe. His own family, they don't believe. The Pharisees, they don't believe. His own disciples, up to this point, aren't 100% sure. But this woman had faith that would not quit. Do you have faith like that today? And so verse 29 and 30, we see faith rewarded. Jesus said for this statement, go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And like that, instantly, she was set free. Verse 30, she goes home. She finds her little girl in bed, free from the torment of that unclean spirit. Unbelievable. Now, let me finish out the chapter before I close today. Now, something remarkable is going to happen. Verse number 31, Jesus He's going to leave the region. 
He's going to leave Tyre, go through Sidon, go down the Sea of Galilee, and then he's going to come to a familiar place to us, Decapolis. Now, do you remember where Decapolis was? Decapolis is where we were at the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Do you remember the man who was tormented by the legion of demons? Woo! Jesus, in chapter 5, gets off the boat. The man tormented sees him from a distance, run, and falls at his feet, and the demons cry out, the Holy One of Israel, the Son of God. And what does Jesus do? He casts them out. He sends them into the herd of pigs. They run over the cliff. They drown in the Sea of Galilee. And do you remember what happens to this man? Oh, I love it. Oh, I love the Word of God. The Bible says <laughs> that the people heard the news, ran to the scene, and they saw the man clothed and sitting in his right mind. Amen. God had rescued him. And the man is so grateful to Jesus. He begins to get back into the boat. And the man says, can I go with you? In other words, he wants to become a disciple. He wants to, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to follow Jesus? And do you remember what Jesus says? He gives him an assignment. Jesus says, stay in this region and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. Well, that was months ago. Many things have taken place. That was all the way back in chapter 5. Now in chapter 7, Jesus is going to come back. Now, when the pigs were ran into the sea, remember how significant that was. Jews had nothing to do with pigs. They weren't kosher. They were unclean. So what in the world are Jews doing raising pigs? You know what they were doing? They were, in, they were on the border of Gentile territory. They were raising the swine to sell to the Gentiles. It is a terrible picture of God's people messing around with worldly and unclean things. God's people had no business raising pigs like that. Not in this day. Well, remember, the people wanted Jesus to leave. They said, leave our region. Why? Because he hurt their pocketbooks. There went their income. Now what happens in verse 31? See, I thought the story was over. I thought we never heard back from this guy. I thought it, the Bible just, sometimes it introduces to people and then we have no idea the outcomes or what happened. Well, in chapter 5, Jesus tells him, stay in the region. Tell everyone what God's done for you. And now, months later, we come back, and when Jesus comes to Decapolis, look what happens. The people come to him. What people? The same people who tried to run him off. And this time, they bring a man, deaf and mute. And look what it says that they did. They begged him to lay his hand on him. Friends, that tells me that the man who was so tormented by the demons and was set free by Jesus, that tells me that his ministry became so effective that when Jesus came back, everyone believed in him and was ready to see him do miracles. Amen. That now they're bringing the hurting to him. What a turnaround in the region. Friends, you know what this tells me? It tells me that your story matters. 
It tells me that your testimony matters. It tells me that you and I are responsible for crafting our testimony. It tells me we're responsible for sharing Jesus right here in our region. So Jesus comes through the crowd. He takes this poor man. You know, I think about my blindness and things that I miss. But even being blind, I'm able to communicate relatively easy with people. I mean, I miss a lot of things. Somebody told me uh, a little while ago that Piper, when she last year she was 10, someone said that the countdowns were going on the screen, and she came and asked me something on the front row, and they said, I saw you shake your head no, and my little 10-year-old stuck her tongue out at me. <laughs> so I miss a lot of things. But I can't imagine... What an isolated world. This poor man who is both deaf and mute. I can't imagine his isolation. And they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus takes him away from the crowd, gets him out of any unbelief, and Jesus gets him alone. And I want you to watch what Jesus does. He puts his fingers in his ears. Can you imagine the very touch of the creator? Can you imagine what it would have been for the creator's fingers? The Bible says he spit. That's twice that we know that Jesus spit. Why? I, I don't know. I'm not a professional theologian. I, I just read the Bible and believe it. Uh, I, I'm not a pro in this, but I, I, I would imagine. Uh, can you imagine the DNA of Jesus? Can you imagine the creative power just within his DNA? And the Bible says he touched his tongue. Jesus says, Abatha, it's Aramaic. Remember what we keep saying to the study? Mark wrote to the Romans. He didn't write to the Jews. That's why three times in chapter 7 along, something is either Jewish or it's in Aramaic, and Mark translates. Why does he translate? Because he's not writing to Jews. He's writing to Gentiles. <laughs> which makes this woman's faith all the more precious. And in Aramaic, he says, Abatha, which means be opened. And the Bible says instantly, the man's ears opened and his tongue released and he spoke plainly. What a miracle, amen. And then, verse 36, it's amazing. Jesus charges him and says, don't tell anybody. Now, why do you suppose Jesus told him not to tell anyone? He does this over and over in the Gospels. I, I don't 100% know, but my thinking is 
you know, the authorities are going to execute him for these things. There's a due season, a due time for Christ to die. He was going to die at the appointed time. I think, I think it's just so that the authorities don't get so riled up so fast. But here's what's interesting. He tells the people of the Bible days, don't tell anybody. And they tell everybody. We live under the Great Commission where Jesus tells us, tell everybody. And we stay silent. Something's wrong with that. Amen. We ought to be telling everybody. Remember what Billy Graham used to say? I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Amen. And we ought to be telling everyone about this gospel that has so changed our life. Have you crafted your testimony? We have a tool on our website called This Is My Story. We ask you three questions that we help you craft your testimony. Who was I before I met Jesus? Can you articulate that? Can you talk about who you were before Jesus? The second question is how I met Jesus. Do you remember how the Lord led you to repentance? Do you remember the circumstances that God led you to faith? If you've never listened to my mom's story, it's on the Awakened to Grace app. It's called Rescued. Oh, you ought to listen to the way that God led her to faith in her 20s. Knew nothing of God. Didn't know anything. But I remember saying she was in her 20s before she ever even learned of Daniel and the lion's den or David and Goliath, the things that I grew up hearing she had never even heard. Until she was in adulthood. But God led her to faith. Can you articulate how your faith journey came? And then the last question is, who I am after meeting Jesus? Can you explain the change of heart? The change of desires? The change of your nature? You know why some of you don't desire what you used to? Because God is saving you. God is changing you. Amen? And you should tell everybody. Our chapter ends in verse 37. He charges them. Don't tell anyone. They go tell everybody. And you know, this is my greatest prayer for this culture. Verse 37. The Bible says that the people, the very people that ran him out of the region... A couple chapters ago. The people were astonished beyond measure at Jesus. Let me tell you, friends. You know why we preach God's word? You know why we live out our faith? You know why we follow Jesus? You know why we make much of Jesus? Because we want people to be utterly astonished at his grace. Amen. I don't want anyone astonished at preaching Christ church. I don't want anyone astonished at us. Because let me tell you, we will fail you and we will disappoint you at every turn. But Jesus won't. 
If you're in love with this church, you will be sorely disappointed. You need to be in love with Jesus, who is the head of his church. Amen. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.